Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 271. Keep driving your cars and making them available to the public, whether you're an older collector who has really special stuff uh, or a guy getting started and you might have a 240Z or a 510 or whatever it might be. Um, you know, share them with other people. That's the only way that we're going to keep uh, interest in all this stuff alive is to actually experience these cars. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E-Gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Howard Swig. Howard, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. Okay, I've got my helmet and my Hans device on, and I'm locked and loaded. Okay, great. Well, I hope you don't need that Hans device and helmet. I'll do my best to keep all four tires on the track today, okay? Excellent. All right. Howard Swig is a Bay Area native and lifelong car enthusiast, like his brother David, who's appeared here on Cars Yeah!, what started out as a hobby and automotive passion turned into a career. He worked in the technical department at Car and Driver magazine, and then he went on to work in the car retail business at buying and leasing at Cartelligent. More recently, Howard shifted his focus to vintage cars at the enthusiast website and marketplace Bring a Trailer, where he was brought on to launch Bring a Trailer Auctions, which is turning out to be one of the best online venues for selling and buying vintage cars. Howard is an active racer competing in the Spec Miata Series with NASA and the SCCA at tracks around California. He's also a supporter of the vintage racing community, campaigning the likes of pre-war Chryslers, post-war Fiats, Alphas, and even a Mercury Comet in events around California. That's very cool. Howard, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. Well, Mark, first off, thank you very much for, for having me uh, for having me on the show. You're welcome. I have been uh, you know, a San Francisco resident my entire life. My father, Martin, who is no longer around, unfortunately, uh, was, was fairly well known in the, in the vintage car community. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a, a new car dealer in San Francisco from the 50s through the 90s. Uh, he started the California Melee Vintage Car Tour, which me and my brother David still put on. And so certainly come from... Uh, Come from a car family, and the apple uh, didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> no, um, I, I guess because I was sort of the, the black sheep uh, of the family in terms of cars were concerned. My brother David was uh, instantly hooked, and you know he was a, a car freak from from a very uh, young age. It took me a little longer to uh, to wake up to it all, 
in middle school and high school, I was really into sports, was a big basketball player. And while I think I had a lot of car enthusiasm uh, dormant inside of me, it wasn't until really um, uh, end of high school, early college that I started to really, you know, be an enthusiast and, and do car stuff regularly. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, the University of Michigan out in, in Ann Arbor, so kind of an old, uh, an old mecca of, uh, of the car world. After I graduated, I uh, took a job at Car and Driver magazine, which is just about a mile from the Michigan campus. So had a cool job uh, testing cars in the tech department and uh, gave me a chance to, to get the rest of college out of my system um, <laughs> and also have a cool a cool job at Car and Driver. And I was in the technical department. You read Car and Driver, you read the reviews, um, uh, the performance specs uh, on each car that they test. So that was kind of my job to assist with all that. We always went to the Chrysler Proving Grounds, uh, which is Chrysler's test facility about 20 miles uh, east of Ann Arbor, and went on the high-speed oval, on the on the, the drag strip, uh, you know, did the zero to 60, 60-to-zero uh, braking, high-speed runs, uh, all that sort of stuff. So, oh, fun. Uh, you know, it paid me $10 an hour, um, but at that age, I didn't really care. I got to drive all the cool cars home every night uh, and, and got to drive around every day as part of my job. Oh, um, yeah. So that was a great, um, you know, that was a great kind of start to an automotive career. Oh, absolutely. Sounds fun. And, you know, it's cool you got involved with Bring a Trailer. We've had Randy Nonnenberg on the show here at Cars Yeah, and I love what he does. Although every morning I get all that eye candy and all those cars that I can't go out and buy. But uh, this new auction program that you helped them set up, it looks like it's going really well. It's going very well, Mark. You know, there are, if you're a guy with, with a cool car that you want to sell, you know, you can put it on eBay or Craigslist, which is somewhat of a crapshoot in terms of you know, the reception your car will get, exposure, and, and certainly uh, if you do find a buyer, how qualified or committed that buyer is, is kind of wishy-washy. Yep. Uh, you know, my brother David now works for uh, RM Sotheby's, mm-hmm. um, so they certainly do a great job selling cars. But if you're a guy with, with something that isn't uh, a big dollar car, and frankly anything under 100 grand, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to get the big auction house's attention. Right. Um, you're kind of in an interesting uh, spectrum of, of the industry in terms of your uh, options to sell it. Uh, bring a trailer options. Obviously, uh, BAT has been around for seven or eight years. They've developed uh, quite a large uh, viewership in that period, approaching a million users. Wow! Um, and over that time, it's it's kind of turned into a marketplace. And they did exclusives, um, which are fixed price listings. And uh, they had the frankly brilliant idea to uh, build an auction platform. And that launched about nine months ago. I was brought on to kind of get that off the ground. Yeah. Um, now we're doing uh, 12 cars a week, and uh, it's it's um, it's rocking and rolling. So I'm, I'm very uh, very pleased to uh, to say that. Congratulations! Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, saw my my listings this morning going through my emails when I got up and went, oh, there's one I like. There's one I like. Oh, wait, I've got some interviews today. I better get back to work. So, yeah, you guys are always teasing us. That's for sure. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. So, Howard, take the wheel. Uh, you know, Mark, I'm going to go with the quote, don't judge a book by its cover. Oh, very interesting. How, how have you incorporated that into your career and your life? You know, as far as being in, in the vintage car world, in the last few years, as we all know, cars have, have grabbed headlines as being, uh, you know, kind of their own asset class and uh, headline auction results for millions of dollars have certainly sparked the interest of people that, aren't necessarily into cars, but big numbers always seem to get people's attention, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that a lot of the guys that own these cars have owned them for a very long time. They owned them certainly before they were worth uh, mega bucks, 
and they owned them because I really uh, loved them. Uh, they were true enthusiasts. I loved driving, uh, driving them, working on them. And as far as guys who own Alphas or Ferraris, uh, they tend to be kind of experts uh, within that mark. They know the history, um, everything about their car. You know, nowadays we think of guys that have a cow spider or a, uh, whatever it might be as, as being big baller CEOs who have these, you know, million-dollar cars. But I think it's important to remember that that wasn't always the case. And uh, there are a lot of uh, crazy characters in, in the old car world. And, and so as far as Don't Judge a Book by its cover, people can be surprised at, at uh, who some of these characters are. And you, you hear what's in their garage and you say, hey, you know, I, I think that guy must look like a CEO in, in a suit. But in fact, there is a lot of different characters in, in, this, uh, in this industry. So it's important to, uh, uh, to realize that and, and treat everyone with respect and uh, the person who you might think, uh, here in San Francisco at least, Mark, all the, all the tech CEOs uh, look like homeless people anyways. Um, so <laughs> as far as the car world is concerned, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, don't assume too much by what someone looks like or, 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 or anything like that. You, you might be surprised to uh, see what they have sitting in their garage. It's a good way to go through life with anybody you encounter, that's for sure. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about your passion started a little bit later than your brother David. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely, um, with Martin, who was kind of a, a big uh, a big deal in the car world, and my brother David, who has uh, certainly built his own career, I was interested in sports when I was younger. Uh, you know, when, when I was, time for me to get my first car, the kind of joke was, well, Howard, do you want, you want two doors or four doors? Well, I don't know. You know, I just want whatever's going to get me around. So it took me a little, a little while to wake up to all this. But in, I think, 2006 or seven. Uh, you're familiar with the event, the, the 24 Hours of Lemons. Oh, yes. Which is a, series, a, a racing series for, for cheap cars. The idea being it's a super affordable way to get it on the track, and uh, that's been around for several years now. They draw fields up to 200 cars and, and really an awesome some racing series to, to get out wheel to wheel for, for not a whole lot of money. Uh-huh. So in 2006-07, I was, uh, I don't think, just learning to drive a stick shift at the a ripe age of 17 or 18. My brother and some friends uh, had a Toyota M- 86 Toyota MR2, uh, that they built for a lemons race at Altamont, which is a kind of circle track with a ragtag, ragtag circle track, a little infield uh, here in, in, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And I was on the team. And so they put me out for my first uh, stint in the car. And uh, I got out there, was 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 going wheel-to-wheel with 80 cars on a, on a half-mile track. Oh, my. Uh, downshifting and all that. And, and I think that kind of a light bulb went on. Uh, yeah. I got in the car, and, and from there... Um, you know, I think things kind of took off. I do a bunch of racing on my own now. I run Spec Miata with uh, with uh, SCCA and NASA. And so that really was, um, I would say, a pivotal moment in uh, in my interest in, in specifically racing, but um, but driving cars more generally. Oh, absolutely. That is a, such a cool story to have that pivotal moment be uh, at the uh, Le, Mans, Le Mans race. That's very cool. I love that. Howard, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how you overcame that and what did you learn from it? I was definitely thinking long and hard, long and hard about that question as I was preparing uh, to, to come on the show. My dad was, uh, was certainly a well-known person in the industry. My brother is as well. And now that I am uh, kind of building my own brand as it were in this industry, kind of being third in line uh, in a family of, of well-known car guys, I, I think it's been, it's been difficult to uh, kind of get out of the shadow of, my, of my, my dad and my brother, create my own brand and, and my, own, um, my own deal. And I, I think as I got started, um, it was a little frustrating 
to be, uh, you know, Martin's son or David's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I've um, uh, kind of uh, been in the workforce and been doing it for, for a couple of years, you know, I'm starting to see that, that I, I can uh, be my own guy. Uh, but you know, certainly not a bad problem to have to have uh, uh, close family members who who have done a lot and who are well regarded. But I certainly want to, want to leave my mark and uh, kind of be be my own be my own guy in the car world. Well, do you think the key there is truly instead of trying to replicate what your father and brother have done, is finding your own path, your old career? Is that what you've learned from that experience? Absolutely, without a doubt. You know, starting at car and driver, then going to car intelligence, my first kind of big boy job in the car world. And now at Bring a Trailer, I've definitely kind of blazed my own path, and, and I'm happy to say that um, uh, it's going very well. Absolutely. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments in your career, a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way or your idea for a new direction, and share with us how you turned your aha moment into a success. Sure, Mark. You know, after I worked at um, Car and Driver about a year and a half and then I moved back back home to San Francisco, um, I took a job at Cartelligent, which is kind of a, a high-touch concierge service for buying and leasing. Clients pay us a fee to handle the process from start to finish, find the car they're looking for, negotiate the deal, deliver the car to them, do all the paperwork. So kind of an interesting um, an interesting company. Oh, yeah. uh, car brokers are, are not a new thing, but this um, uh, Cartelligent uh, really was able to build a great uh, word-of-mouth reputation and um, uh, they've become quite successful. So here I am, 22 years old, the new, the new higher account executive in the sales department. And I think I've, uh, both me and my brother have soaked up so much of our dad's BS over the years that uh, <laughs> we kind of uh, retained some of it. Yeah. And I kind of was getting the hang of it, doing some deals. And um, uh, I think I, in my sixth or seventh month, I led the company in sales, which was, which was nice. So yeah. uh, I, I uh, was beginning to see that I could actually um, be productive and, and, and uh, you know, make a decent paycheck. About a year in, they brought in, the company was having some issues. Uh, they brought in uh, this fancy CEO who didn't do anything with cars but had run other businesses, and the idea was he's a, he's a powerful CEO. He's going to turn this company around. And so he called the first company meeting on his first week, and a nice enough guy uh, didn't really know anything about the car business um, and gave this opening presentation about how we're going to do all these deals and we're going to go – to 500 cars a month and this and that. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way just to, as far as his grandiose plans without any concrete uh, ways to achieve them. <laughs> yes. And uh, maybe against my better judgment, I raised my hand, uh, the young upstart that I was, mm-hmm. and, and I asked him, how many car deals have you done in your life? Uh-oh. <laughs> and I, I think the, you know, I, I think the, and it was a bit, bit awkward, the sales team appreciated my bravado to say that. Yeah. Um, but but I guess my point is, in answer to your question, when you're older, something like that is, is called wisdom, and when you are younger, it's insubordination. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I guess the aha moment was to, and, and maybe I was I was uh, being kind of a, a little ship disturber asking that question, um, but I think realizing um, and understanding how to channel your energy um, and ideas in a constructive way um, in whatever business you're in, um, is very, very important and, and crucial to um, uh, to the long-term success of anyone. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. I've I've said in meetings where those situations come up, and uh, you really have to applaud the person that raises their hand and asks the very hard question that everyone else is thinking, but they're too afraid to ask. And yep, sometimes that's, that's the one who gets his hand chopped off, so <laughs> unfortunately. So I'm curious, was he able to answer the question, or how did he answer that question? Uh, he, he actually t- took it very well, and I actually, I actually liked the guy a lot. 
and uh, he, he, in a roundabout way, uh, said, you know, the, the number of deals I've done is zero, but uh, I've done this other stuff, so I must know how to run this company. Uh, so uh, he, he, he took it in stride, but, but I think I got the point across. Yeah, absolutely. How about proudest moments in your career? I would bet you've had many, but is there one in particular that you could share with us that really stands out for you? You know, I, I have to say um, I, I'm very, very proud of, of, of bringing trailer auctions. Uh, you know, both um, at Car and Driver and Cartelligent, I was, you know, kind of uh, working for some, somebody else, mm-hmm. um, which, which I am. I, I didn't start bringing a trailer, but I have been, I, I, have, I, I think, uh, pretty instrumental in, in getting the auctions off the ground and, and turning it into um, what is now a, a, a successful outlet for interesting car sales. We've just done our 350th car. We wow. are you know, growing at a pretty at a pretty good clip, and I have to say I'm very I'm very proud of what the, everyone to bring a trailer. Me and Randy uh, and the other guys we got helping us uh, have accomplished with with the auction uh, platform, and uh, I'm excited to see um, where it can go. Well, like I said before, I really enjoy seeing those every week. I've talked to a lot of people on this show and other friends and uh, colleagues in the automotive industry, and everybody uh, is really impressed with what you guys are doing there. It's fantastic. Let's have a little bit of fun. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory that you had with that car. Well, you know, I was pretty fortunate growing up with with, uh, with my dad who was into all this stuff and had a building full of cool old cars that um, we got to ride around in all the time, and when we got to, to the appropriate age, actually drive them. Um, my, my first car was actually pretty boring. It was a Subaru Impreza wagon automatic. But early in my uh, college career, um, I would always, uh, you know, I went to school in Michigan, was always driving back and forth um, uh, between Michigan and California in the, uh, in the fall and the summer. One year, my dad bought a 1949 Hudson Commodore Coupe in Rhode Island, and he wanted to drive it back together. So he had the car shipped from Rhode Island to Ann Arbor, um, at that time, I was still kind of uh, getting used to driving old cars, mm-hmm. and this was a, if I recall correctly, a three-speed on the column uh, with over with overdrive, selectable, and second and third. And so we, we hop in this car to, to drive 3,000 miles home. Wow. Uh, he hands over the keys to me, I think, outside of Chicago, and we're sitting in rush hour traffic with a car that is uh, untested. It's been sitting in an old guy's garage for 10 years. I'm <laughs> pretty brave. And that was kind of a, a trial by fire. Yeah. Um, I, I do remember uh, it had these vacuum actuated wipers that ran off the throttle linkage or something like that. So uh-huh. you, you're on the gas, you, you lift off, and the wipers are supposed to uh, activate and, and swipe across the windshield. <laughs> uh, well, we're driving across Highway 80 through Wyoming, and the sky opens up, and there is an appeal storm. Within 10 seconds, the windows are com- completely fogged shut. Of course, at this time, the vacuum actuation is not working at all. You're on Highway 80. You can't see a damn thing. Oh, gosh. There's 18-wheelers 18 we- 18 in-, in front of you. I was driving and, and, frankly, a little terrified. I think my dad was the same way. All he could muster was, uh, was keep your speed up, keep your speed up, which is a little difficult to do when you can't see where you're going. <laughs> yeah. um, so in any case, that, that, that cross-country trip and that 49 Hudson was something that I... Uh, well, I remember for a long time. It was, uh, it, was, it was a real adventure. Oh, sounds fantastic. I love it, except for the scary part, of course. But uh, you guys survived, so that's great. Is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you could have back in your garage? You know, the one car I wish we had back was a 1928 Alfa Romeo 6C1500. Actually, the, uh, I've just learned recently, the, the oldest car in existence that was bodied by Zagato. Wow. Uh, this is a car that uh, our dad tried to buy at auction about 15 years ago, 
and I always loved pre-war alphas, and uh, I was with them at the auction. This was before I was kind of a car guy, or um, but I loved this car, and I remember sitting next to him, just pulling on his shirt, saying you know, he was raising his hand, uh, bidding the car up, and you got to get it, got to get it, got to get it. He didn't win it at the auction, but the, the deal fell through. We ended up with it um, a few days after. Oh. Uh, and and um, that, that's a very special car, and, and one. It, it, it went to a good home um, overseas, but uh, that, that car I wish we could still have in the garage. Yes. Oh, what a magnificent car. How about a vehicle that you purchased and you shortly thereafter said to yourself, what on earth was I thinking? Uh, and actually, recently, I was uh, jonesing to, to do a quick deal, and, and I, I uh, probably should have uh, cut my teeth a little further before I did. Um, but I was browsing on Craigslist, and I saw this 92 Corvette, black, black, 60, that looked awesome. The guy wanted like five grand for it. So I went down to San Carlos and, and bought it. And I said, oh, this is great. I'm going to flip this for in the next week, make a couple of grand. We get the car back. It's it's the dash is a Christmas tree. It's got all these issues, oh, and no. it ends up selling it for a loss. And and I I, uh, I think I learned if if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yes. Uh, I, th- I think I think my brother had some fun with me, poking fun at me for my uh, uh, my supposed genius when I bought this home, and then the absolute nightmare as we actually uh, uh, found out what it was and then tried to sell it. Oh gosh. Oh yes. Well, we all have those stories. That's for sure. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? You know, we picked up this, um, there was a, a car listed on eBay that was listed as a 1966 Porsche 911 Speedster. About 25 years ago, uh, a guy who, who owned Gingerman Raceway, actually out in Michigan, uh, bought this car and always wanted a Speedster, so he cut the roof off of it. And so it's now a speedster, and it's not terribly well done. But, but the interesting thing about it is it was listed incorrectly. Um, it has a, a, a 302 VIN series, which means it's a 1965 production. Um, 65, of course, being the first production year of the 911. Yeah. And those are quite special cars. Um, so we, are, um, we have that car now here, um, here at home. Uh, we're not quite sure what to do with it. Obviously, the, the good thing about it is that it is a, it is a real uh, 65 911 coupe. Uh, we contacted Porsche for the information, and, and, and it's, in fact, a factory Golf Blue car. Oh, um, cool. And, and, and uh, the, the, the blues seem to be a bit more special than, than the other factory colors. Yeah. Uh, the downside, of course, is they cut the roof off of it, and it kind of looks like hell. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of figuring out what to do with it, but that um, uh, that's definitely something that um, is, is uh, has our full attention, and, and we'll be interested to see what, what, what we end up doing with it. Oh, you've got to bring it back. <laughs> You've got to bring it back. That's well. We, we, we have uh, we, we've had many long uh, long discussions about the pros and cons of, uh, of 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 the options. So we'll see uh, we'll see what we end up doing. I can't wait. Very cool. Now here's a very introspective question for you, Howard. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? Hmm, let's see. That's a tough one. I would have to <laughs> say, and I always mention here, I, I like pre-war Alphas. And if I was a car, I would probably be. Uh, an early 30s uh, Alpha 8C 2300 Monza. Uh, they were kind of the absolute pinnacle of, of, of sports cars in the period. A lot of people know Enzo Ferrari for uh, for the company he started. Um, what some people don't know is that he really got to start uh, running the Alpha Male racing team, and the, the 8C competition cars um, really cleaned up all over Europe. And, and you know they're uh, they're 80 years old now, but you park them in, in any group of cars. 
um, for the 70s and 80s supercars, and that car will always stand out. It's never going to go out of style. Um, so that would be uh, that would be my choice. Ah, great choice. Those are just spectacular cars. Fantastic. So Howard, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something from today's sponsor. No more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. Includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlet so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool. It's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Howard, we're back and we're entering the last lap. The white flag is out. You know what that means. It's time to put the pedal to the metal. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. Go for it. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best automotive advice I've ever received. And having a dad like Martin, you've probably got a lot of advice. You know, God, I would have to say the best advice I've received is remember that there's always another level. And, and, and what I mean by that is certainly in the vintage car world, uh, you go to a lot of these events, and uh, the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy hitters at all of them uh, racing, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, as I and I'm, I'm 27 years old, maybe among the youngest people that have been on the show. And as I kind of uh, build my career in the vintage car world and the automotive world more generally, you know, I, I think it's important to remember that, that there's always another level. Whatever you're doing now in business or in racing, there's always guys out there that are doing more than you. And so uh, you you got to keep the pedal in the metal and always keep uh, keep striving to do more. Great. Love it. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Personal habits. I, I'm big on making lists. Uh, I, huh? I feel uh, yeah. every, every morning in the office, I make a list. And I, I find a lot of satisfaction in going through that list throughout the day and, and crossing things out. As I, as I, it sounds pretty simple, right? But, um, uh, but it's something that, that, I, I, that I do a lot, and I think it really helps me um, you know, get stuff done on a day-to-day level. Absolutely. It's a great way to do things. I do the same thing every morning on my computer screen. I have today's goals, the top-level goals, middle-level, lower-level, and making those lists, and it feels so good when you cross those things off as you work through them. Do you have a resource that you would like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Uh, you know, actually, the, the, the resource that I that I use for so many years I actually work for now, which is which is bring a trailer, and specifically, you know, they feature a lot of cars for sale, which is which is kind of the lion's share of the content. But really, the best resource uh, is the community of readers, and and specifically the, the comments that each car generates. You know, you, you, they post a car on there that you might have an interest in or that you own, and you think you might know a lot about that particular car. But there is going to be 10 other nerds out there that, that know so much more about that car than you can ever imagine. And, and you think you, you, you've got it pretty dialed in and you go read the comments and, you know, that headlight is wrong or that interior color wasn't offered until a year later. And it, it's just an amazing uh, repository of information that the Fed has created. And um, so anyway, I, I, love, I, love, I love reading the comments for cars that I'm interested in and, and hearing, uh, 
uh, what what the worldwide audience has to say. It's very cool because it's like looking at a car and taking a whole bunch of experts with you. And of course, uh, some people think they know more than they do. But for the most case, when I read those, yes, so many people give these. And oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's really good to know. And they can steer you towards a car that you you thought wasn't as good as maybe it is or steer you away from something that might be a little scary. So I agree with you. It's the people surrounding the event. Would you share a book with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy reading? You know, a book that just came out, which is which is more of a pictorial history, is The Motor Binder. And as far as I understand it, uh, it's uh, and I, I, the name is escaping me at the moment, uh, but the son of a race car driver in the 50s uh, uncovered a bunch of his dad's old photographs and started a, a Kickstarter program, which is the online uh, crowdfunding website, to you know reproduce all these images in book form. And that came out a few months ago. And it's all these never-before-seen never photos of racing in the 50s, and, and not only on-track shots, but shot, you know, social shots of all the greats in the pits and, and wherever they might, might have been uh, on a race weekend. It's mostly photos with some great captions. Um, but for anyone interested in the in the 50s and 60s sports car movement, the motor binder is, is really, really a must-have. Some, some fantastic photos that, uh, like I said, have, have, have not been seen until now. You know, motor binder is awesome. Roy Spencer, who put that book together, is a yes, fellow that's, that's guest cool. of yours here on Cars Yeah. He's been on the show, and he was gracious enough to send me a copy of that, and it is fantastic. I love it. In fact, I learned about it from your business partner, Randy Nonenberg. Originally, when Randy okay, was on good. the show, yeah. So, uh, yes, Motor Binder's fantastic. That's a great resource. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? You know, I, I told you that when I was younger, I was uh, big into basketball and, and thought I was going to go play in college, and ended up uh, going to Michigan and and uh, and, and doing the, the the big college deal. And so, but I still I still play a lot of basketball. It's it's really the only way I can get any exercise. I'm I'm too. Uh, uh, usually distracted to go on a run or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> still playing leagues and stuff like that. I love the competition. Uh, but yes, uh, basketball is definitely my. Um, I think me and my brother are both fairly one-dimensional with the car stuff, but um, uh, but I still like uh, I still like playing ball. So, Howard, this last question is a real doozy. I call it the checkered flag. And if you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost, because today I will buy you the car of your dreams. What would that one vehicle be, and why? Yeah, we're big on the alphas. I, I mentioned that the, the pre-war HC Monza, the car I would like to be. Um, if I could have one car now, it would be an Alfa Romeo 1900 Super Sprint Zagato Double Bubble. The Zagato 1900s, uh, you know, the, the, the 1900 was kind of their first uh, mass production car. Uh, a few coach builders, Pininfarina, uh, Ghia, Zagato, uh, got their hands on it and, and produced their own versions, uh, the most exclusive of which was Zagato that built, I think, around 30 1900s, but only a handful had the signature double bubble uh, roof, and, and those cars are, are, are priceless today. I, I, I hate to say that our dad did have one in the 80s and sold it, but if there's one car I, I could have and, and drive and love, it would be a double bubble. I was a guy with 1900. Ah, wonderful choice. Yes, absolutely gorgeous car. I love so many of the Zagato designs, whether it be on the Alphas or Aston Martins or even the Fiat little double bubble that he did is just fantastic. So great choice, great choice. Well, Howard, you've taken me on a wonderful ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Alfa Romeo 1900 Zagato double bubble? 
keep driving your cars and making them available to the public, whether you're an older collector who has really special stuff uh, or a guy getting started and you might have a, a 240Z or a 510 or whatever it might be. Share them with other people. and That's the only way that we're going to keep uh, interest in all this stuff alive is to actually experience these cars. Absolutely. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? You can check me out on, uh, well, you can certainly read Bring a Trailer, subscribe to the email. Me and my brother David also put on the California Melee, and we have a website, californiamelee.com, uh, which we update with um, photos and info about that event and some of the other stuff we're doing here in Northern California. So I would definitely recommend uh, checking uh, californiamelee.com uh, and bringatrailer.com. Perfect. And listeners, again, you can find links to everything we've talked about here today at carsyad.com. Just put Howard in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up and you can find everything there. Howard, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and me. It's been great fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds great. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.